Uh, all right, so good morning, fellas. Glad you're here this morning. Uh, I've got some good news and some bad news. We'll start with the bad news. Makes the good news a little better is that we all have to work. All right. Uh, there's no escaping that. But the good news is, is that our work can take on an entirely different purpose and meaning with Jesus. And it means that our work doesn't just have to be futile. <laughs> Uh, God wants to redeem our work, and isn't that something that all of us can jump on board with? Because I'm pretty sure that's something that I'm, I'm excited about, that it doesn't just have to be boring and awful, but God has a plan and a purpose with it. Uh, excited that this month, uh, as we go through uh, this sermon series on Sunday morning, but also this series called A Man and His Work uh, here at Sunrise, uh, that we're tackling this very important topic, something that uh, us as men especially uh, wrestle with quite often, but glad that, uh, that we get to wrestle with it together. Uh, and my prayer uh, and all of our prayer here is that we would have a greater understanding of what God wants for us uh, as men and as faithful followers of him, and especially in the thing that we do a lot in our life, which is work. Now, we're wired to work. Uh, that's how God created us. We talked about that last week, uh, Pastor Jonathan's message. Uh, but somewhere, uh, you can hear that as the fall. Uh, during the fall, uh, the wires got crossed, and our work doesn't always fit the bill of what God intended. Uh, I think that we feel this particularly as men. Uh, I think about how often uh, I feel like I, I toil and I labor, and it all seems in vain, right? Like at the end of the day, you go, well, what did I do? Uh, well, that just didn't go right. Uh, so many things like that. Uh, but as Jonathan said last week, uh, it's because a lot of times what work is really designed to do on the side of uh, the fall is for us to not look in ourselves or our own achievements, but instead to look to God, right? Uh, that he would be the fulfillment uh, of all that we are. And so what this means is that work is actually a gift for us. Uh, and it's actually a grace of God. Uh, and so excited to go through uh, this series. Uh, if you haven't had a chance, if maybe you don't go here on a Sunday morning, uh, or maybe you've been out, I would love for you to go uh, listen and watch uh, the last two Sunday messages. You can go online to, um, and the address is on the handout there, uh, but youtube.com slash getwellchurchsouthhaven. Uh, if you weren't here last week, uh, welcome to the second week of Sunrise. We're glad you're here. Uh, but you can go on the podcast. We have a podcast. There's a card on the table that has the uh, what to search on there as well. But we'd love for you to uh, go back and listen on the podcast. And y'all be sure to share that too with, uh, with other men. So this morning, what we're going to be diving into is this idea that our work is a platform that God has given us. And as I said this past Sunday, I uh, did a little research and we will spend, the average person spends about 90,000 hours at work. And if my math was right, I hope no one has checked, uh, that comes out to be about 43 years of our life. Uh, and that's just, that's a large number, all right? Uh, it does seem like the years are going faster and faster, uh, but it doesn't mean that at work it seems that way, right? Uh, yes. No, actually, that's extra time that you got to add, but... <laughs> Uh, but 43 years, and so this means that God doesn't care just about those big moments in our life, but friends, he is also, he cares about the everyday part of our lives as well. Uh, and so your first fill in the blank there is that all work matters. 
all work matters. And when we understand that God is in the details, that God cares about the details, that God wants to redeem every part of our lives, then that means that even our work, when we come to understand it correctly, and as God has intended, then we can see that our work matters and that our work ultimately becomes kingdom work as well. Uh, that it's not just us trying to have a means to an end, but it is something that actually matters. Uh, this work, as we've talked about, is a gift from God, and it serves a purpose. No matter how small, no matter how mundane it might be, um, the work that we do, it matters. Um, you see, God created this world. He's given us each gifts and talents, and that's what we use in our job. Uh, but he also commanded us to do what? To take care of this world. He's given many of us families. He's given you a job to do. He's given you a workplace to work. A, a, and a lot of our workplaces do things for our community, et cetera, et cetera. And so our job takes on a greater meaning than us just sitting there getting the job done and that be it. All right? God has placed us there. We're not here just for ourselves. All right? Uh, our work plays part of the greater whole of what God has created and what he desires and what he's bringing about in the world as well. Uh, this morning, maybe you're here and you're retired and you're thinking, hey, I put in my 43 years. All right, like, I'm done, right? Well, unfortunately, uh, I guess, uh, but the truth is, is that we never stop working. We don't. Even when we retire from that 8 to 5, Monday through Friday, uh, there's still a plan and a purpose that God has for us until our very last breath. And God wants for all of us to, to see that he desires uh, for us to work and to help bring about his plan and purpose here on the earth in our everyday life. And so here's the next fill in the blank is that you've got to see your uh, work as a higher calling. You've got to see your work as a higher calling. Everything that we do is to the praise and the glory of God. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 31, he says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And so then it, that means that work matters. The calling that he's giving you matters, and it means something. It means something. And so here's the point. It's the next fill in the blank. is that God has gifted each of us with a platform of work from which we are to share Christ with the world. So what is a platform? What's the next fill in the blank? It's a means or opportunity. A means or opportunity to communicate ideas or information to a group of people. Now, if you were here Sunday, I had some platforms uh, as an illustration uh, up on the stage. And uh, you'll notice that there were some wide platforms. And that's because for some of you, the reach that you have throughout the week uh, with others is quite large, like pretty extensive. Uh, some of you have narrow platforms, all right? So the amount of people that you reach throughout the week aren't, aren't as many. Some of us have deep platforms meaning that the, the reach that you do have goes very deep. You, you are really to have a depth of relationship with those that you um, work closely with. And then others have a shallow platform, and most of the time all that is is because of the, the breadth of the reach that you have. You don't have the ability, the bandwidth, to really go as deep as you wish that you could. Now, we don't always get to pick our platform. We talked about this. Uh, sometimes God puts us in the position of work that sometimes we weren't exactly uh, thinking that we would be in. 
I talked a little bit about how in my own case, like I went to college for one thing and I seemed to be doing something totally different. Uh, and that may not be your case necessarily, but I know that life has a way of sometimes taking us in places and things uh, that we didn't necessarily dream and think of uh, before. But what we've got to realize, though, is that God has given us a platform and that sometimes that platform is a different size than we thought it would be, but it's a God-given platform for us. It's where God wants us right now. I think about my own platform uh, over the last 18 years of my work life. Uh, in the workforce, and uh, some positions have allowed me to have a depth with my coworkers to be able to speak with them and into their lives. Uh, others, I've had a whole lot more connections than I ever thought I would make uh, at times. Uh, but in each season, God has planned it, and that God has given it to me. Uh, and I used to have this dream that I would have, you know, some bigger and better platform and all this kind of stuff. But what I've realized is, is that God just wants me to be faithful where I'm at. I don't have to keep dreaming and thinking, well, God, I want this down the road and all this. This is what I want, want to work toward. This is what God has given me right now, wherever he's planted me. And I just need to be faithful where he has me. And so maybe you love your job. That's great. That's awesome. Uh, maybe you're doing a job that's less than what you wish. Maybe you're out of a job right now. Uh, maybe you're retired. But the important question for us all to wrestle with, and it's there on your paper, is how can we be faithful in the work that God has given us right now? How can we be faithful? That's all he asks is for us to be faithful. We all have a platform with work, and so we've got to reframe. We talked about this on Sunday. We've got to reframe our view of work, and especially as men, as we're going to follow Jesus, we need to come to this place where we understand our work the way that God does. But we've got to reframe, especially whenever we think about this platform idea, we've got to reframe from what we think we're supposed to have for a platform to seeing that what we have is a gift from God where he's put us. That whatever it looks like, whatever shape it's taken right now, that this is a gift from God. And so we need to be thankful for it. We need to embrace it to the fullest. Uh, I, several years ago, especially as my kids start aging faster and faster and getting older and all this kind of stuff, I just go, man, I just want to be present. Well, let's be present in whatever it is that God has given us in that. For some of us, you've got to reframe to understand that you do have a platform. Because I think that oftentimes, uh, us as men, it's easy for us to discount and go, well, it just doesn't look like what I want it to, so, right? But no, you do have a platform. And so we don't want to discount that fact that we have one, especially if that job that you have seems unimportant, right? Or maybe it seems mundane, doesn't seem like it is much of anything. Maybe you think that uh, you may not be in an eight to five uh, that's paying right now, but you still have a job. God has got you in this place, and that's okay. So in every case, in every platform, God wants to use it, and he wants to make an impact through it. Because here's the next pill in the blank, is that each platform joins together. They come together, all doing our unique part to make a greater impact on the world through our work. We have different jobs, all right? We each have unique gifts and talents, but we have one purpose, and that's to bring glory to God in all that we do. And so through it, others will see and know that Jesus Christ is Lord uh, through our collective lives, working together, doing what he has gifted and called us to do. It makes a difference. 
Now, a stereotype of men is that we, whenever things get hard, we tend to give up. Uh, and um, I do think that that stereotype plays out over and over uh, every day in many of us. And especially whenever it comes to wanting to see the fruit of our labor. Uh, I, I think about how many times I get discouraged um, at times, even as a pastor. That sounds weird. Uh, but a lot of my work is doing this, and then we're all going to go out, and I'm praying that we do something with it, but I can't make you do something with it. And so a lot of my work seems like it's uh, kind of out there, if that makes sense. Uh, and I think that's why I enjoy doing yard work a whole lot, because at least I can see that my yard got mowed and looks really good, you know. So uh, there's something with that. I like the work of my hands. But when it comes to using our platforms for Christ, and while we would love to see the fruit of our labor, when we would love to know that that conversation has made a difference, when we would love to know that our, the way that we faithfully serve uh, our employer has made a difference, we've got to understand that we don't always get to see that. And that's okay. Because once again, we're simply called to be faithful, faithful, faithful to what God has called us to do. And we've got to leave the response to them. We've got to leave the response to them. We've got to leave the response to God. Our job is to be faithful. And so in a day and age where it seems like the man, right, is dwindling and falling away and becoming something that it totally is not, there's your next fill in the blank, is that we have a responsibility. Men, it's a responsibility for us to use this tool of a platform of our work that God has given us to share with others the love and the invitation of God. It's a responsibility and so our work, our call, our faithfulness to witness is for such a time as this. And so let's look at the words of uh, Paul. Uh, he wrote this in Ephesians chapter 5. I'm actually going to read a little bit uh, sooner, uh, beginning in verse 8. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. For you, once, uh, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then, verse 15, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So Paul tells us uh, there that we're to be careful how we live, not as, not as fools, but as those who are wise. And if Christ has illuminated us, how can we be fools, right? We don't need to be. We have the light of Christ. And then Paul says that we're to make the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. The days are evil. But we're to make the most of every opportunity. And third, instead of just making it through life thoughtlessly, we're to seek what the Lord wants for us. It's an active thing. We don't just passively make it through this life trying to get from one day to the next until he takes us home. 
No, there's a plan and a purpose of what he has for us. We don't live this life thoughtlessly. We're to seek what the Lord wants for us. And so we want to align our lives with Christ, right, with what God wants. We want to live with wisdom. We want to seize every opportunity that we've been given. And we want to make sure that our lives and our work are not wasted. Now, that's why, next point here is what you do with your position what you do with your position means more than the position itself. See, God's placed you in your work for such a time as this, and so we don't want to waste it. Uh, there's work, and there are relationships that God wants to work through, and so we need to show up, we need to do our best, and we need to allow God to use it. Now, God created us in a way that we flourish whenever it comes to life through relationships. Uh, and the greatest relationship that flourishing came through was all the way back in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve in the Garden with God, right? They walked together. It was a beautiful relationship. Well, since that was severed by sin, here's the thing is that God has gone to incredible lengths to restore that relationship with man. Uh, he wants to bring back uh, us from that broken relationship to a relationship with him through Jesus, and so it's no coincidence that whenever we hear the good news, right, that it happens in relationship, that it's all about relationship. And so I made this point on Sunday, and it's your next fill in the blank, is that the gospel comes to us on its way to someone else. On its way to someone else. I think about the fact that someone told you about Jesus. That's why you're sitting here today. Also, someone told you about Sunrise. It was probably Bruce, and that's why you're sitting here today. Right? It's about relationship. It's about invitation of what God is doing. And so it's important for us to share the gospel and not try to keep it for ourselves. It's not meant for us. Not meant for us to keep for ourselves. Now, I've heard it said that we're just one beggar letting another beggar know where the bread is, right? Why, would, why if we are so needy for God's grace and forgiveness and his love, why would we not let someone else who's also desiring that same thing know where to get it? And so for many of you, you have a decided advantage whenever it comes to who you come in contact with every week. Many of you work in workplaces that are filled with unbelievers to the brim. And maybe even for you, it's a little stifling, right? You go, man, I feel like I need to get out of here. But what an opportunity. What an advantage to be able to witness to those who are lost, to those who are hungry, to those who are hurting, to those who are without hope, to those who need a Savior, your Savior, the one who saved you. You have the opportunity to tell them and show them the light of Christ. So we're not to look like the men of this world. We're to be different. We're, our work takes on a whole new meaning and purpose whenever it comes to with Christ in our life. But we're called to be transformed into the image of Christ, not into the image of the world. And so we've got to fight against that, okay? And we do so not on our own. We don't just pull our bootstraps up and say, hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be different. No, we have to have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us help empower us and enable us and transform us and renew our minds so that we can do what is pleasing to him. And as we talked about Sunday, there were two passages that we walked through about how we're to be different, but Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, uh, he talked about being salt and being light. 
And then Peter, we talked about Peter in 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, about doing good. Are we eager to do good? That's a good question to wrestle with, right? And then to stand out. So I want to give us some uh, practical ways on how uh, these things play out in our work uh, and utilizing work as the platform that it is. And so uh, first thing that I want to kind of talk through is when is it appropriate? We get this question sometimes, but when is it appropriate to talk about your faith uh, in your workplace? The first one is this. When opportunities arise out of authentic relationships, authentic relationships. Now, friends, some people, and we'll get here, but some people are, are spiritually gifted with evangelism. And so they may be able to masterfully just share the gospel uh, with anyone at any time. But for the rest of us, when the opportunity arises out of authentic relationship built around your work, as you discuss work and your life with your coworkers, it's just these informal mentions of spiritual truth that, that needs to happen naturally uh, in, your, uh, in your life. Uh, just as I think about how often in workplaces that I've been in, people just start sharing about their life, right? Uh, you may have a customer, you may have a supplier that you're able to just talk about, you know, hey, well, yeah, the weather's been hot, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, you know, and the, oh yeah, you know, my my wife, we our kids have been doing this and that. If just let it naturally come out in that authentic relationship that you have built, which is number two there, when it naturally fits the conversation. There are some right ways to share the gospel, and then there are some better ways to share the gospel. And so we want to have it naturally fit the conversation. You don't want to try to divert it to uh, this, that topic in, your, in this conversation if it doesn't really fit the time, right? Uh, because otherwise what's going to happen is if you're talking about, so think about this, if you're talking about a business problem, right, uh, maybe it's not all of a sudden, well, let me tell you about Jesus. What if instead, if you're sitting there in a meeting and you're talking about a business problem, what if you said, well, you know, because I'm a believer, I believe that we should do this. So naturally infusing this into the conversation. Number three, when coworkers are comfortable with the discussion, y'all, you can tell when someone is uncomfortable, all right? I used to do uh, student ministry, and I love middle schoolers because they are the most awkward human beings on the face of the earth, something about that age. I love awkward, all right? I can do it. But I can guarantee you that when you make someone else feel awkward, they're not listening. And so we want to make sure that people, when we are able to have that conversation, that they are comfortable in that moment to have that conversation with them. All right, fourth uh, thing about when it's appropriate to talk about faith in your workplace is when you are asked. Guys, do not miss this opportunity. Do not miss this opportunity. If they blatantly ask you, tell them. Tell them God has set that up for you. Tell them. Uh, questions, they open the door for you to address those topics, those spiritual topics. And here's the thing is you don't have to feel like a Bible expert. You don't have to be one. Just share with them what God has done. 
Share with them what God has done in your life and what you understand of the gospel. Share with them about Jesus, especially if they ask. And then here's the thing is if they ask a question, you're like, man, I have no idea. It's okay to say that. I say it all the time. I have no idea, but let's figure that out together. Make sure you actually follow up with them. Because they've opened up, they've asked you the question very pointedly. Find an answer, ask a question, and then follow up with them and see what the Lord's going to do through it. And then number five, this one's important as well, is when it doesn't take time away from what you and your coworkers are paid to do. See, there is something about us being faithful to what God has called us to as we serve and as we work. Our employer is paying us to do the job that they are paying us to do, and so they expect us to do said job. And if we're going to be faithful men of Jesus, that means that we do what we're supposed to be doing and what we have said we will do. And so sometimes it's inappropriate to be talking about things or taking 15 minutes or whatever it is uh, during that time. And so maybe find time during a break or after work uh, or during lunch for that longer discussion that God wanted you and that person to have. Uh, And so we don't need to forget that Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes that there's a time to be silent and a time to speak, and I'm still learning that. Uh, But there is wisdom uh, in knowing the difference of that. All right, let's talk about four practical ways to infuse the gospel uh, into everyday work through the opportunities that we get. And the first one is this, and this is one that I've seen over and over again. Y'all, life is hard, okay? We all know that. And I can only imagine how much more difficult life is for those who don't know Christ and those who don't have a church. And so that's why this first one is that we need to comfort people in need. This is a practical way that you can infuse the gospel. Guys, we, we, sometimes we're stoic, sometimes we're standoffish whenever we see someone kind of emotional or someone having a hard day or whatever it might be. But Paul describes God at the beginning of 2 Corinthians as one who comforts us in all our troubles. God. God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. See, we've been given something, and he asks us to give it to others. I wonder how many times we miss the blessing of uh, the blessing that we can give to others and the blessings we receive ourselves uh, because we're just simply too busy to stop and to have a conversation, to stop and offer comfort. Uh, deadlines, long to-dos, quotas, whatever it is that, that we have to do. But what a blessing it is when we show up for others, right? Because think about how someone has showed up for you before in life. And the impact that that has made, imagine what that can do for someone else. And so think of this idea of comforting people in need as a ministry of presence. Of you being probably one of the sane people in their life. Which I know, looking around the room, I go, I'm just kidding. But we have something different. We have something the world doesn't have to offer to them. And that's the peace and the love and the joy and the mercy, and the forgiveness, and the hope of Jesus. Let's help comfort those people in need. All right, number two, carefully share what God is teaching you. 
another practical way, carefully sharing what God is teaching you. Not everyone is in the position to outright share the gospel in their workplace. Think about those of you who work in the government or in a school. Um, luckily, we're still in the South, and still a little bit of that gets to stick around. But there's nothing stopping you from peppering conversations with lessons that you've learned or testimonies of what God is doing in your life. I just think about the fact of what that really can do as we just include that in our everyday life. I think about the fact that Keaton and I are raising two kids right now, and we want them to love Jesus, right? And so we have our Bible study time, we have our prayer time, all of those things. But what's going to matter more is that they see it in our everyday life, that it's part of our conversation all day, every day, that God is good and all these things of what God is doing and that we're praising him and glorifying him. It's all in the part of our flow of our everyday life. But it's just using wisdom, using discernment, carefully sharing what God is teaching you, but doing so, right? Doing so. All right, number three. Willingly show people your shortcomings and hardships. Willingly show people your shortcomings and hardships. Paul wanted to be like Jesus in every way, but he admitted this in Philippians 3. He said, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make him my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And the honest truth is that when we become more like Jesus, we actually suffer. Romans 5 says, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And we all know that that talk is cheap. People need to see how we apply the scriptures to real life situations. Uh, Non-believers have to see that there's this real difference in the way that we live and we face life's problems um, and the sufferings that we have. Uh, because Christ has faced those same issues, but yet we have hope, right? And so uh, they know what we believe. They know what we believe. They know what we don't believe. Um, But they need to see that we actually believe what we claim that we believe. They need to see that we actually live out what we say we live out and believe rather than not. But the truth is, is that we're all going to fail. Even our best efforts sometimes fall short. And so we have to help them understand that we are people, and we've got to be forthcoming whenever it comes to our shortcomings and our hardships. Life is not easy that we do fail, but we have a God who is greater. We're not perfect. We're not perfect. They think that we think we're perfect, but we know we're not. And so being honest about that and sharing the gospel truth through that, we've got to be willing to set aside our pride and admit when we're wrong. We've got to be uh, willing to apologize and to seek to make things right and to face the consequences of our actions. We've got to be willing to face hardships with our eyes fixed on Jesus, not just succumbing to whatever it is, but, but trusting in him. That's so different than the way of this world, right? So different than most men that we come in contact with. And so you've willingly got to show people your shortcomings and hardships. All right, and then the fourth and final practical way uh, to share the gospel through your everyday work and opportunities 
is to witness to the gospel of Jesus by what you do and not do. And the writer of Proverbs in six, uh, chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, he says seven things that God finds detestable. Uh, some are pretty easy for us to steer away from uh, in our work setting. Uh, we're probably not going to be killing any of our coworkers. Uh, but some of these are so much easier for us to succumb to. See, God hates haughty eyes. That means he hates the look of pride and arrogance. He hates deception, lying. That's what that is. Scheming to get ahead of somebody else. That's devising wicked plans, right? Spreading gossip. That's that false witness uh, who breathes out lies about others. Or openly stirring up conflict for other Christians, right? That's sowing discord among brothers. See, non-believers, they're gleeful whenever we compromise our beliefs uh, through the contradictions of our lives between what we say and what we do. And they notice uh, when we use cuss words. They notice when we do things that we're not supposed to. They scoff at us when we're lazy on our assignments. And they think that following Jesus is a joke, right? They think that it's a joke. Um, especially whenever we participate in politics or gossip or all the things that the world does in our workplaces. We really do the, the cause of Christ no good when we come to church on Sunday, but yet the way that we live the rest of the week means nothing at all. As representatives of our Lord, we, we have to be careful how we communicate to those around us. And friends, it is so much more important that they see us live out what we are for than them to only know what we're against. And so let's make sure that we line our lives up with who he is and what he wants through our work and how that will speak to the gospel so much more. So work is a platform. It's a platform that we share the love and the truth of God with others. And whatever work that may be, whether it's at a job or at school or stay at home or whatever it is, it provides us a way to point others to Jesus. And so we help ourselves and we bless others when we see every aspect of work, the big and the small, right? However small or mundane it might be, as an opportunity to worship God and to love others uh, and help to share the good news. Like he's given us an opportunity. It's a ripe place to do it through our work. And so each of us have a platform that God has given us in our work, and so we don't want to waste it, all right? So I've got a couple of table questions uh, for you at the bottom of your sheet. Would love to.